Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. So, Elliot, who's our girl today? Well, today we're taking the gloves off. Well, actually, we're putting the gloves on, but they're boxing gloves. And it is the world-famous boxing manager, Jackie Callum. Jackie, how are you? I'm great. How about you? Good. Now, you originally are from Detroit. You ended up on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Now you're back in Detroit? Exactly. Yeah, went full circle. I was in L.A. for 15 years. Love the energy there. Love the all the entertainment, all the celebs, and the beautiful weather. But I have kids and grandkids and family back here, so I decided it might be better to live here and just go visit there instead of living there and come to visit here. That makes sense. Plus, Detroit's such a great boxing city, and I want to try to bring boxing back as big as it used to be. So I'm going to be opening a gym here and working with some young fighters. So I think there's more opportunity for that in Detroit than there is out in L.A. Okay. So you're back in Kronk Gym or otherwise? Well, there's a lot of different gyms here. I'm hoping to open one in the next 90 days that will be my own gym again, which I've done in the past. And, of course, we'll want to spar with the crime fighters and work with them as much as possible because they're always good. But I think I'm going to fly alone. How does a woman get involved in boxing back when you got involved? Well, probably the same way they'd have to now, although there's so few of us. I mean, you could count on one hand the number of females that I've known over the years that have entered the sport. But I was a journalist. I was a writer doing sports and entertainment. And I went to interview a young fighter that had just turned pro, Tommy Hearn, and ended up falling in love with the sport, going to work for Emmanuel Stewart in the Kronk Gym for 10 years. And after that, I decided I'd like to try it myself. And so I found a young fighter named Bobby Hitz, who's from Chicago, and he was my very first fighter. And then together we found James Tony and Kenny Gould and uh, a lot of other fighters that became the backbone of my stable. Did you give him the nickname Hitman? You know, we kind of all did. Some people called him initially the Motor City Cobra, and that name didn't stick as much as a Hitman because he knocked everybody out so early in the fight that that kind of stuck. And then there was a very early cover on Ring Magazine of him dressed like a gangster with like a Tommy gun, and that really reinforced the whole Hitman image. And that's stuck, and he's been Hitman Hearns ever since. Now, what made you think that you could make it as a manager in the world of boxing? That's a good question. Um, I think it's because I have good managerial skills. You know, I'm very organized, and I felt that as a woman, I might see things a little bit different than the men in the business did. I might pay more attention to, you know, things like what they wore in the ring, what they ate out of the ring, just kind of had that dead mom effect on the guys, and I thought that maybe a little bit of that estrogen, a little nurturing might be encouraging to them, and it's proven that, you know, that that does work because I've had a terrific win-loss record over the years. My fighters generally do win, and um, I'm, I'm proud of that. I think a lot of it is that hands-on, showing them that you really care approach. So do you make your boxers chase chickens like Mickey did in Rocky? Uh, no. I skip that one. The one-arm push-ups we try, and we do a lot of other things, um, but we don't do that, and we don't pull a car 
behind us on the chain like George Foreman does. I mean, you pick up a lot of things from a lot of fighters, but you kind of keep the ones you like and throw out the rest. Now, is it tough finding new fighters? Not anymore. That's a good question, too, because at the beginning, trying to find a fighter that wanted a woman to be their manager was a little unusual because you just didn't see women managing fighters, so I think a lot of the guys didn't want to be a guinea pig or be the only one out there with a female manager. But as time went on, I've been in the boxing business 34 years, and as time went on and I became more familiar to everybody, they would come to me because they would see how I treated my fighters and how well they did and how well they were dressed and how polite and how articulate, and they thought, hmm, you know, maybe she could do that for me. So now it's it's really a question of... um, they come to me and I kind of sort through it all. And it's such a different process thanks to computers and YouTube and videos are so readily available. It was much harder back in the day. You know, if someone didn't videotape a kid and send you the tape, you really couldn't see them unless you went to whatever city they were in. Now everything is just, you, know, you press your iPhone and there's the kid. So it's pretty easy. i got to ask a good question, Ellie. It's asked two good questions here. It doesn't the, happen every day. The pressure's on me. Have you... <laughs> Have you had trouble recruiting fighters because of the uh, MMA? Is MMA basically taking the top talent? You know, that's I, I hate to say it, but that is a sore spot. And it's not so much that they're taking the fighters, although there are some guys that go into the gym and they go in there intending to box, and then they see, you know, a lot of gyms nowadays have the mat for MMA as well as the ring for boxing. And some of them are thinking that, you know, it's more interesting or maybe it's more lucrative or they have, you know, visions of being in the UFC and being, you know, it's, it's UFC is so big, whereas boxing doesn't have one major organization like that that you can strive towards. You know, I mean, maybe a young kid today might want to end up with Golden Boy because they're so big, you know, Oscar De La Hoya's company. But basically in MMA, top of the line is UFC and it gives everybody something to to aim for. So we are losing some kids to that, but I think we're losing a lot of them to basketball and football and the team sports that actually go out and recruit these kids at a young age. They offer them good contracts right out of school, whereas boxers have to fight for several years to even get a decent payday. They, they fight at the beginning for 400, 800, 1,000, and the other kids they went to school with that got a deal with the NBA are starting out with 100 grand. So you know, the competition is out there, and there's not as many gyms anymore in different neighborhoods. There used to be a gym on every corner. Now there's not. So there's a lot of factors, but certainly MMA is one of them. How does boxing make a comeback, or or can boxing make a comeback to the days? I remember the Gillette cavalcade of sports and the Friday night fights on television and all that stuff. Will we ever see an era like that again? You know what? It, it's so personality-driven. Now, I was just out at the uh, Mayweather fight a couple of weeks ago, and that was a huge event. It was sold out. The whole town was jumping in Vegas. It was back like the Hearns Leonard uh, Hagler Duran days when, when people really cared about the fights. But then that fight's over, everybody goes back home, and that's the end of boxing till the next mega fight. So we really need to have more exciting kids coming up that people at home watch and the problem is that the networks don't show boxing anymore. You used to be able to see it on CBS. Then you'd be able to see it on, you know, Why World of Sports on Channel 7. And NBC had it. And then Fox for a while was doing it. 
Now you just have to see it on cable or the big fights, which are on HBO or Showtime, or pay-per-view. And when you're charging $60 to see a fight, a lot of people don't order it. So boxing's become a sport that's hard to see with names that people don't recognize, and that's the problem. Isn't part of it Don King basically getting greedy, basically looking for these big paydays, holding these networks hostage, saying, I'm not putting my stuff on free TV, I want this amount of money for my guys? That was part of it. You know, I think greed's always part of the decline of any kind of a business. When people get too greedy, it always affects the bottom line. But I think that's part of it because the only way to really build a fighter is on free TV. So the people sitting at home can watch them and like them and get interested in them. I remember when Sugar Ray Leonard was in the Olympics and we all watched him and he had the little picture of little Ray Jr. and he had a picture of his wife and taped to his socks and it was so adorable and everybody felt like they just knew him. He was everybody's sweetheart. We don't really have that. And I, I I'm this is the summer of, of Olympics. The boxing is coming up July and August and I bet you there's not one person, myself included, who could tell you who's on the USA team and who's gonna fight for us, you know, over in London. So that's kinda of sad that our amateur program has kind of dried up. And that's what feeds the pros. And if you have no farm system then who you got to send to the majors. So it's, it's become a real problem. Is there a hope that this, in that it is an Olympic year, that one or two or three or four fighters emerge that, that do capture the imagination, whether it's from the United States or I can remember back in the day Cuba with uh, all its great boxers and Teofilo uh, Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson, yeah. yeah. people when like that. somebody like that, it does electrify the, the fan comes alive again, the boxing fan, because they have something to look forward to. They, you know, wow, this kid's going to be a champ, and they want to watch his progress. But it would take something like a really strong showing in the Olympics, or it would take an American heavyweight champ again, because the Klitschko's have controlled the division for so long that they're really, you couldn't name any up-and-coming American heavyweights that the public would even know or recognize. So the heavyweight division, which usually drives the sport, is in control of Europeans, so that doesn't really appeal to the average person here. And the smaller weight classes, you know, who's most people would name their favorite fighter, perhaps they'd say it's not Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, and he's from the Philippines. So, yes, he has a strong following, and all the Philippine-Americans love him, but we don't have an all-American Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns kind of a kid. And, you know, everybody's looking for that. And in order for it to be big again, we need a really solid showing from a really good American kid, and I think people will start liking it again. And I keep hearing all these people through the last, I'm 40 years old, the next great white hope, great white hope. There is no great white hope, is there? There hasn't been. You know, I mean, when you think about it, who's been the greatest white fighter? Jerry Cooney did well for a while, but he never made it all the way. Ingemar Johansson back in the 50s. Um, you know, Tommy Morrison, they're all limited, it seems, and for some reason, we've never really had that that white heavyweight that could hold on to that title. Maybe Rocky Marciano was the last one that, that people look up to. He retired undefeated, which is, you know, hard to do. Not very many people can say that. And, Who's done you know, it? Just, we... just him in the heavyweight division, right? Because Spinks lost one fight. Well, right, right. You know, and now Mayweather's undefeated, and he's had, you know, you know, a great run, but the longer he fights, the more in jeopardy that is, because either you quit while you're ahead, 
or someone's going to come up behind you and, and just, you know, score one of those uh, crazy knockouts that no one was expecting, like when Buster Douglas right. beat Mike Tyson. And it happens it, when Roy Jones beat James Tony. I mean, it just happens. And when it does, there goes your record. So with all the millions he's made, I'd, I'd probably, if I were him, maybe take one or two more and then retire undefeated and go down in the record books because that's a, a, a wonderful record to hold. Now, you were involved in the television program, The Contender. Is that a way, did that prove to generate any interest in the sport? No, but I wish it had. You know, the problem with that show, and I love doing it, but it was so top-heavy with salaries. I mean, when you've got Sugar Ray Leonard and Sylvester Stallone drawing the paydays they were drawing. and Not, Mark Burnett, not you? You weren't drawing the big bucks? I wish I could say I was part of that. But I wasn't. <laughs> Believe me, they could have kept it on the air forever at what my salary was. But nevertheless, it just it was just too expensive a show to produce and unfortunately it didn't get the ratings that, you know, they had hoped for and so the show went off NBC after the first year and then it went to ESPN where it kinda floundered around a little bit and it ended up I don't even remember where it ended up because it's been gone for several years. But it was a good idea that just somehow didn't happen because that would have been a great way for a young fighter to develop, for us to get to know him, his personality, his backstory. The concept was great. For some reason, I think it just was such a costly show that it just didn't make sense to keep it on the air. What was Sylvester Stallone like? Oh, my gosh. I've known him about 30-some-odd years and his brother Frank. So, you know, to me, they're great guys. Sly's wonderful. He's, he's got great stories to tell. We shared the same dressing room, so for two months, you know, we'd get ready together and do our hair and makeup and stuff together, and Ray did, too, with us. And the stories that those guys would tell, I mean, Sly knows everybody in Hollywood, for sure, and uh, he's a good storyteller, so I couldn't wait to get in every day just to hear who he was going to talk about that day and what inside stories he was going to tell us. And he's probably been with every woman in Hollywood at least once, so... <laughs> It was interesting. We definitely got some good stories. So he didn't try to make a move on you? Oh, I've known him too long, and I'm old. Well, we're, we're exactly I'm two months older than him. <laughs> but we're just really good friends. But I, he's a fabulous artist, by the way. He okay. paints, and he does some magnificent paintings. He's very talented. Okay, so you're about, and, 40, uh, you're about 40 years too old for him. Yeah, I'm. Uh, are you kidding? <laughs> More than that, probably. Okay. So, I think we'll always just be good friends. Okay. But actually, I'm going to be coming in your neck of the woods soon because there's going to be a fight on the 25th, which is coming up, over at the Horseshoe Casino in Hammond. That's not far from you, right? Correct. Another Bobby and, Hitch fight um, night? It is another Bobby Hitch show, and I'm just happy to be part of it. I work with a kid out of Chicago named Ramon Valenzuela, Jr. He's undefeated at 7-0. and And Bobby's got about six or seven undefeated fighters on the show. He's got a lot of cards. I mean, he must have... I don't know how many cards he does a year, but on this one, he's probably got nine or ten fights on the card. And um, quite a few undefeated guys. He's got uh, a heavyweight, talking about heavyweights, this guy, David Latoria, who's 10-0. and 0, And I'm anxious to see how good he is. Then he has this cruiserweight named Terry Martin, who's 5-0, and 0, all five knockouts. So obviously he's a heavy hitter, and uh, it's always fun to see that. And then there's another heavyweight, um, named David Martin, and I don't know if they're related or not, um, but anyways, 
he's 5-0 and with four knockouts. So these guys look like they're pretty tough, and I think that'll be fun to see. And then for my kid, who's 7-0, and he's kind of stepping up by fighting a guy that's 14-3-1. So the kids had 18 fights, and my kids had seven. So it'll be interesting to see how he holds himself, you know, against somebody with that much more experience. So all the way around, I think it's going to be a really good card. Thanks. Uh, there were a couple names on there I don't know, but he has another guy that's 5-0 and with five knockouts, uh, a middleweight. We all love middleweights. That's a, a great weight class, this guy, Miguel Harper. So overall, I think it's going to be a really good card, get a lot of entertainment for the value. I mean, it's very rare when you get nine or ten fights on one card. Thanks for your time. You were you were a knockout. <laughs> As always. Thank you, guys. Anytime. Thank, thank right. you. Look forward to seeing you at the fights. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have on former Golden State Warrior coach and general manager Al Adels. Stay tuned.